0: Welcome to the Once and Future Authors Podcast. I'm Stephanie, and I'm so delighted today to be joined by author Dennis Galloway. Dennis is the author of many, many books, but his most recent one, The Pen Sultan's Wisdom, is the first in the Dream Traveler's Tales, book one. He also works with authors to help them to write books and, you know, mindset shift, because it's all about mindset. So I am so excited to have Dennis with us today. Thanks for
1: joining me. Thank you very much, appreciate it.
0: Oh, thrilled to have you. So first, before we even get to working with other people, tell me about you. How did you get your start writing?
1: (laughs) Well, that could be be another book. Uh, (laughs) I've always kind of written things even as a child, you know, poems to my mother or little ideas, little short stories. But I never really got into getting things published until after I retired from another career. Ooh. And what I wanted to do was I had some really good ideas about storylines. And I loved writing Westerns. So that was one of the first books I put out. And then I thought, ah, oh, I like writing children's stories. So I wrote a children's story. But those were just kind of my first attempts, although they're good. I really wanted to concentrate on the pen because it, it blocks out a series of stories over time. And the idea here was to create an interesting fiction book that also gave you some life principles, you know, do good unto others, uh, follow up on what you say you're going to do, things like that. And so I kind of blended them in to give the story some some value.
0: Absolutely. Would you mind if I asked what you were doing before retirement?
1: Oh, (laughs) well, usually authors are very creative people. And I was in a very technical field, which creativity, depending on what part of that field you were in. Uh, I was an engineer, and I learned about computer chips and devices way back when Apple started and Intel and all those guys. Mm -hmm. So I helped them get it into customers' hands through a couple of ways. One, sales and marketing. And another one was becoming an engineer, an applications engineer, where you get into a little bit of the creativity aspect of it. Or you help people solve problems with the computer chips.
0: Oh. You're right, though. It's, it's not a field like you weren't uh, a working playwright or English teacher <laughs> or something like that.
1: Yes, that's right. Um, so I had to evolve through that period of life. And uh, one thing I did do was I went down to Hollywood for a little while. And I was 60 in my 60s. And I said, you know what? I've never tried this. So I went down there and I signed up to be an extra. And there's a lot of process you go through to do that. And I thought, well, just throw my hat in the ring. Lo and behold, the day after I put my hat in the ring, somebody called me up and said, hey, we want you to be on Grey's Anatomy. Show up tomorrow at 4 a.m. at such and such time. Whoa, really? So that was a thrill. I, I went through a process of doing that. And then I got involved in some acting for some universities down there that had students that had to create a video, had to create a movie because they were going through the process to become directors. So I ended up with some speaking parts and about three or four different student productions. And that was a thrill. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I decided not to stay down there because, you know, being in my mid to late sixties, this isn't going anywhere. It's just kind of a lot of fun. (laughs) So I said, no, I got to get serious about writing. So then I really Dug in and settled down and said, like, "No, this is this is really where my head is at, being very creative."
0: That's wild! Wow! And that's now you've just enticed a whole lot of people to go to Hollywood and sign up to be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's another story. I can tell you that.
0: <laughs> that's for the fun of it! Wow! You know, you are like I love this—the the poster person for um, life after retirement. I mean, right. after you retired. You went yeah, to I, Hollywood, you were in great yeah. Academy, now you're writing books. I mean I
1: just I just changed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Kind of yeah. makes you want to retire, everybody, doesn't it? It makes us all want to retire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, except for me, because I already do what I like to do. Oh,
1: <laughs> but, there you go. You found it. You found yeah, it.
0: All those engineers out there, they're like yeah. they're looking at you saying, That's the dream, man. That's the dream.
1: Sure. If you change your mind shift, which is what I did. And then dug into those childhood dreams, the things you, you always wanted to do, the things you were you had to put aside because now I got to go to work. Oh, but yeah, but I wouldn't. No, I got to go to work. So now I don't got to go to work. <laughs>
0: <So> <laughs>
1: I pull those out, right? Yeah, that's what it is.
0: Tell me a little bit about mindset shift, because, you know, we hear that bantered about and mm. we, I think we sort of know that it's important, but, but what does it really mean and how do we do this? <sighs>
1: Well, a lot of people just use that general term, and I don't think they really explain it well enough. For example, uh, it depends on your point of view, how you look at things. If you look at something and you think because of your past experience, you know, that's not going to work out. Uh, I cannot act. Uh, Everybody's going to laugh at me. If you turn around and you, and you say you create a new future by dreaming it, saying, I think I'm going to be awesome. I think it's going to be terrific. You ignore what's currently going on and you create the new idea, the new you, the new mental image of you. Okay, That's the mindset is you create the mental image, not what everybody else is saying about you or what, what's around you or what you see. It's what you put in your head and you make yourself believe by repeating it to yourself, basically, by convincing yourself it's going to be okay. Just go out there and try it. Go out there and do it. Do it and do it. And do it. That's the mindset shift.
0: Gotcha. Now, how do you do this when you don't honestly believe it in your head? You well, like you've never done it before. How do you believe it?
1: <laughs> um, ironically, or not ironically, but interestingly enough, you don't have to believe it. Hmm. What you have to do is write it down and tell yourself about it. And you do that often enough over a period of time, and it starts creating new ideas and new dreams, new images in your head. When that occurs over a period of time, you start believing it because your subconscious now has experience because it doesn't know reality from dreams. It has experience that you've done it. A good example is the man who ran the four-minute mile He never ran that four minute mile until he started believing or not believing, excuse me, until he started dreaming about it and thinking about it. And people use this word to visualizing it, that he's crossing that line and it's great. You made the four minute mile. He's the only one that did that. And then he was hired by other coaches and sports people say, how did you do that? He explained it. And then they hired him to teach their teams, their people, about this is the way you want it. So start looking at it that way. Start going through the moods and the emotions as if you've completed it, as if you've, uh, you've done it. That creates the emotions, which then creates the belief. So it's kind of like, yeah, you can do it first. You don't have to believe it. You just create the emotion about it, and then that'll bring, bring the belief.
0: You know, it's funny you mentioned the four-minute mile, because I always kind of wondered, you know, mm. For years and years, people could only run so fast. Right, and then someone broke the four minute mile. Right, all of a sudden, like twenty other people did it. (laughs) Like like, nowadays, you could do that in high school. You know,
1: yeah, that's it. Everybody on the outside of people, uh, uh, trainers and stuff, were telling their athletes, "Don't don't run so hard. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to die. Your heart will burst." This is all the outside. (laughs) Well, this guy worked on the inside. And he said, no, I'm going to think that I did run it. I'm going to see myself crossing that line. He worked on the inside and that created the outside.
0: That is so cool. You know, I I was watching, you know, when the Olympics were on, the figure skaters. Yeah. and, And it used to be, you know, back in the day of, let's say, Dorothy Hamill, that if they jumped up and spun around twice it was like whoa twice. yes and now they're jumping up and spinning around four times and you think did, did humans get to be that much more muscular or is it it's, up in, mind, it's up in the mind
1: it's up in the mind uh people who teach uh this process and i i do i do it for authors but i also teach other people about this process and uh, it's amazing what you'll see the change in people. It doesn't have to be a huge thing they're trying to do. Just a little thing. Like I got to pay my taxes on time. Or, <laughs> you know, I've got to, I want this car. I don't know how I'm going to get it. By the way, that's not important. Uh, <laughs> but I want this car. And I, I know what it touches like. I know what it smells like. I know what it, I dream myself driving it. There'll be opportunities then that'll come to you about getting that car. So it, it's incredible. It's, it's like, I kind of knew that, but I didn't, I couldn't put it in words because all my life I've been able to think that way and things happen. And I thought, oh, I was just lucky. I thought oh, it's just lucky. No, luck has nothing to do with it. And that's what I've recently discovered.
0: So, so Dennis, you heard about my car that I want, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: gotta put the picture on the wall and I, I had it. my
0: eye on on a red convertible sports car I need to awesome put, I need to put a picture on the wall and I have to picture myself driving the car
1: that's right your hair blowing back you know I like know. it I like yeah, it
0: yeah your sunglasses yeah. Ooh, I'm all about <laughs> it I like this and then and then eventually it's going to be in my driveway
1: that's it that's it you'll see it there
0: yeah. Now, now, how do you do that with an author? When people come to you about a book, how do you, how do, you do that? How do you get them to see it? Well. Um, and you don't have to give away secrets here. I'm saying <laughs> there are no secrets, okay?
1: Uh, essentially, it's the same process. Uh, a lot of times people will think about writing a book, but they never start. Mm-hmm. And when I ask them and talk to them about it, It's because somebody said to them when they were a kid, that's a terrible story. Don't bother with it. Or no, you have to learn to be an engineer to make a living. Then you can write books. Yes, I've heard that. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes it's a a belief that was instilled in them when they're young. Other times it's, well, they tried to write a book, and they sent it to a big publishing house, and they said, nah, we don't want it. Things have changed, you don't have to do that anymore. Right. So there's been a lot of discouragement. The process starts with, why do you want to write it? Why are you passionate? Are you passionate about it? Uh, and you've got to get that down. Then you've got to start seeing, what is it going to look like? Mm. And if you can't actually draw it out or see an image of it on the computer, Get a book and make a cover, draw the cover, put it around and hold that book up in front of something, take a picture and point to it. That's your book. So you start seeing yourself having completed it. You have it in your hands. That starts the process of the mindset shift. So I help people go through exercises like that. Uh, understand, okay, so now that I believe what do I do next? So we talk about that and help them get a clear idea of where they're headed, what things they're gonna challenge with, some ideas and strategies to get through those challenges. And it's done,
0: Fantastic. just like
1: that. Yeah, it happens.
0: Do you specialize, shall we say, in um, fiction authors, nonfiction authors, fantasy, sci-fi? I don't know. Does this shift work with special types or all types?
1: Right now, uh, Mostly fiction because that takes the biggest struggle.
0: Okay.
1: People who wrote nonfiction books can go to Google. There's people who says, well, here's the outline. Right, right. You outline right. your book and those are your chapters. Uh, you organize it this way and you put stuff in there. It's a mechanical process, okay? Yes, I can help people do that. Uh, there are a couple of processes I use for people who are writing manuscripts or trying to organize uh, some technical manual because I did that in my previous life. (laughs) I did technical manuals and all of that. So there is a standard technique. There are even templates you can get online. Fiction, on the other hand, creates a different view of what you're trying to accomplish. It, it, It digs into the creativeness of your mind. And sometimes those are very weak and you have to learn how to grow that. So fiction authors, I think, would benefit the best from my help. But if somebody comes to me and says, you know, I just can't get this off the ground, what do I do? Obviously, I'm going to help them. Sure.
0: (laughs) I get that. But uh, you make a good point there. When you have fiction, there's no safety net. There's no no outline. There's no Google. There's no no so nope. how do You do it. I mean, you've written what a dozen books already. I mean, yeah,
1: I've written twelve books, and I'm working on. I've got about four in the hopper. Um, when I started this, uh, I took a look at two ways of doing it. One is just pure out fantasy fiction. Write the story down, and I did. I've got, like I said, I got several in the hopper. On the other hand, I said, well, wait a minute. Uh, why don't I just create these help manuals or Other things that are more standard, like I've got a, I've got a, several books out there, uh, inspirational journal, for example, where on each page is an inspiration, and then there's places to write down what you're grateful for each day of the week. Uh, And I've got another one for if you're going to create a recipe for a single person or maybe two. Here's where you would put it. In fact, I started a website. meals for a single person, because there was such a demand for, you know, I, I can't cook for a family. I'm single now, or I don't have a family yet. And yet all the recipes you get, all the things you buy at the store, family of four, family of six, do this, do that. So that was part of my uh, books were more on self-help type of books. And then about, uh, I guess, four right now, three or four are of the fiction type where you have a storyline and characters. And so I enjoy that more. And frankly, that's why I'm moving. I'm continuing to move into the fiction writing.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, tell us a little bit about this book here. This is, I know the first of a series, the pen, Mm -hmm. um, the dream traveler's tale. Well, you got one of my favorite words in the English language right there. (laughs) travel. And I know that you are a big traveler too. You've been oh yeah, haven't you?
1: I love it all my life.
0: Where Where's your favorite place that you've been to that that you'd go back to in a heartbeat?
1: Uh, probably the Greek islands.
0: Ooh, any particular one, or just just boating around them all?
1: Well, uh, went to Miramos. Uh That was a really good one. Uh, got there via the Canaries and. Spain and all that. And those were interesting too. But the Greeks have a way of just enjoying life, which is very, very nice. I enjoy it. It's very laid back. And a lot of those islands, people have gone to for a long time and it's been in movies and all this. So they're, they're well built up to handle tourists. Uh, another favorite place of mine was Bavaria. Ooh. Really? Just southern Germany. Oh, the mountains and the lakes. Uh, I grew up in Germany when I was a child and went to kindergarten, and then left there and came back to the States, but I've always gone back there. Uh, Bavaria is just a wonderful rolling countryside with large mountain peaks with snow on the top. It's beautiful. I mean, sound of music. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So this book, this book is about a man in Edinburgh, Scotland, in the 1920s, And he was in his mid-30s going on to 40, not too successful in life, kind of a clerk uh, at a a firm. And uh, he liked to write. Though, And what he wrote with is he loved to get an old pen to write with because he felt he was connected to people in the past and all this is cool. So he found this book, uh, this pen, in an antique store, which was kind of an odd store to begin with. But... He liked the pen that he got. He was excited about it. He took it home, started writing with it. And then the pen started writing its own story. It was no longer writing the words that he was putting down. It started writing something he didn't understand. So he didn't like the book, the pen. He put it down, (laughs) went to sleep or fell asleep. And in his mind, it took him back in time to the guy who had the pen originally. And the guy that had the pen originally was now writing his life memoirs with that pen. This guy was a sultan in about 900 AD, and he was sitting there writing this pen. And when he wrote the words, all of a sudden, uh, the main character, Harold, saw what was going on. He was there. He saw the sand, the camels, the alligators, the battles, the fights. He was there. And when a scene was over or a battle was over, he would travel back to his current time, Edinburgh, 1920s. And he'd wake up and all of a sudden something's in his hand that he grabbed while he was in his dream travel. And it was in front of him. So he knew he had actually done this transition. So he learned from this man's life. He he followed him from uh, an escaped orphan, living off the streets of Cairo, all the battles he went through until he became a sultan. He was there all along and he learned the life principles as he went along. You know, be loyal, tell the truth, um, do what you say you're going to do, that kind of stuff. And so he learned from this process and started applying it to his own life, especially the part about if you want to be this, you've got to start thinking about it that way. you got to start seeing yourself as being a writer, for example. you got to see yourself as doing that. And when he did that in the 1920s, it started to become a reality for him. So he saw the reality for the man that he was going along with and watching his life. He applied it to his life and it happened to him. So that's how the book is written back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And hopefully people will find it entertaining as well as kind of understanding the way you can think about things differently. Wow.
0: Now, this is book one um Mm. book two i know is with the editor or finishing with the editor at least your portion of it has been written already that's right how many books will there be and how are the books going to be connected same well same character what are we talking here
1: we're talking the same concept okay the first character went to an antique store that he found one night when he was walking around The second book, this time the main character is a woman. She's wandering around trying to find things because she likes to do that too. And she finds the same weird old store. She gets a different pen this time. And her pen connects her to a man who is a Templar knight. So she travels back in time to see his life story. But in this one, it also involves a treasure hunt because the story goes that the templar knights when they were destroyed by uh, king philip back in 1307 he was looking for their treasure nobody's found it except in my book (laughs) 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 my book tells them where it is Hey, uh, yeah they work through clues they work through uh different scenarios so the second book takes place in 1940 in scotland again in edinburgh there's bombings uh there's nazis wow. uh, there is remote regions of scotland that they have to go to mountains they have to climb through it's all there
0: no, I very exciting ask, why <laughs> scotland have you been to scotland do you love it yes i love it uh,
1: been there twice and i like the people there uh, there's, there's a range of people in Scotland. Uh, they tend to be independent. They tend to be people who like to live on their own, stand up for themselves. And that kind of spirit and, and backbone is uh, really appealing. And the characters in it have such an interesting way of speaking <laughs> that it, it draws you in. Um, so Scotland still has some areas that are very remote and very rugged um my family history comes from that area so i just kind of blended it in because i knew the territory i knew the region i knew the people so it was easier to write about so when people build a storyline it's easier uh, ideas come to you easier if you have some experience uh, either the location or the people or the language or something that gives you um the feeling that oh no i got to tell it this way or actually you know they better see the flowers that are on the hill like they used to be back in Switzerland where I lived you know that kind of stuff
0: yeah very cool well I I figured in all of your travels you must have hit Scotland oh yeah so much about Scotland and I love that because like you said so many people want to write a book and I'll hear from them and they often ask how do I start? Where do I get ideas? And 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 you spoke so well about all those things. There's so many ideas out there. You have you have how many books that are just kind of in the hopper? I get people? at least
1: at least four. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when a new idea comes to me, I write it down. And I always tell people have a notepad next to your bed. And when you have it, whoops! Did I lose you? No. Nope. Okay. I had stuff that showed up in my face here. (laughs) Thank you, Microsoft. Anyway, um, I always tell people to keep a pad next to your bed because inspirations will come to you. And it doesn't have to be a complete, just an idea. And it usually happens just about the time you wake up or just before you go to bed. I don't know why. The book, the pen came from that
0: fantastic and i
1: call it, it came from a dream it came from an inspiration said, why don't you write about this in that way and i so i said my to my wife i got an idea listen she goes what
0: <laughs> now do you know how many books are going to be in this series yet or not
1: yet well uh, right now i'm working on the third one
0: okay
1: so there'll be at least three <laughs> yeah. so when when hollywood comes knocking and says we want to make a movie out of this i'll say well i got two others how about a nice price on all three. <laughs> right.
0: Absolutely. Lovely. Oh
1: yeah, I've already had people uh, tell me this should be a movie. Uh, I've already had people that read the books said that in their
0: really? in
1: their reviews. Uh, so I'm quite excited about it because I it's going to happen. I yeah. can see it. <laughs>
0: can You see it? Can you see? Do. It? do you see you putting on like fancy clothes and going to the movie premiere? Oh yeah, going there and
1: meeting Steel, Steve Spielberg and Ron Howard and you know and people sitting back going, yay, we love that movie. Oh, I'm then I got to the-
0: ask you, who yeah. stars in the movie? This way we know something about the characters. Cast it for us. Who's going to be starring in this book?
1: Well, um, the there is a there's a character in this book that. There was a movie, uh, a series on TV called The Blacklist.
0: Oh, sure. My husband's a fan, a big time.
1: That main character there would be the Herald. Okay. Now, he's very dark in that series, but the shape of his face and his acting ability could adapt.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: And the other main character in this movie for the, the Sultan guy... Uh, either uh, Bandero would be good because Omar Sharif is no longer available. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but Bandero would be very good. Uh, that's all I can think of at
0: this point. All right. Sounds good. And tell me a little bit about your ideal reader. Um, who Ooh. should be running out and clicking that button right now to buy the book?
1: Anybody that enjoys adventure, enjoys time travel as a kind of a sci-fi thing. Anybody who enjoys intrigue, uh, anybody who enjoys seeing the good guys win and a happy ending. Uh So those kind of people should buy the book. In fact, my mother-in-law, who's 88 now, loved the book, and she can't wait for me to write the second one. So this is, yeah, it comes across all age groups, uh, even... (laughs) I guess thirteen-year-old can understand it. So there's no, there's no barrier. There's no bad stuff in there that you have to worry about your children reading. Uh, it's all uplifting. It's all uh, positive. The bad guys are clearly bad guys, mm-hmm. and the good guys are clearly good guys. So there's no confusion.
0: All right. And where can our viewers find you and your books?
1: Well, actually, they're distributed on any online store: Barnes and Noble, Amazon. Uh, there's several others out there. Uh, if you go to, let's see, I guess I could choose this one, thepen.dennislgalloway.com, uh, they'll see a little uh, little video, a book trailer video about the book. And on that page, it gives you links to Amazon and Barnes Noble and a couple of others, I think.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: I also have an audio out on it. If people are interested, I think they can find the audio there as well. Okay. Uh, on that page.
0: And, and <clears> how about if somebody wanted to contact you about a mindset shift?
1: Oh, okay. Well, a couple of ways they can do that. Um, they can email me at mastermindsetlife at gmail.com then i can send them a link to my page where they'll get more information and they can actually select uh, the date and time so if they go to MasterMindsetLife at gmail.com okay that's probably the easiest way to do it i have other links but (laughs) i don't want to say something out there when i'm going did that link break
0: no 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 they'll find it from there
1: yeah and um the again, the page to go see about the book is the pen, one word, right. dot Dennis L Galloway at gmail.com.
0: All right, the pen dot Dennis L Galloway, did you say?
1: Yes. com. I mean, yeah, dot com. Did it Galloway? Yeah, dot com. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> Sounds good to me. I even
1: get confused.
0: Well, that's the thing. Well, luckily they could just look up the pen, Dennis, Dennis Galloway. Yeah. And got it. You got yeah. it. And I've got, I've got, I know your book baby page here. I'm just going to put that up for anyone who's looking. The pen, Sultan's Wisdom. It's the Dream Traveler's Tale, book one. So if you love time travel, if you like intrigue, Heck, if you like writing devices, check out the pen. I actually had a friend years ago who collected all sorts of um, different types of antique pens. And I'm listening to your story thinking, damn, I know who should get this book, that's for sure.
1: Let me show you something.
0: Oh, wait, wait, let's look. Ooh.
1: I'll, I'll put it down here so you can see it. Yeah. That's an old pen.
0: That is a very old pen. You
1: know where I got this? Where? I got this in an old antiques store. Really? (laughs) That's all I'm going to tell you.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like good pens. Like I, you know, use good, you know, but not like, like that. That's a pen.
1: That's a pen.
0: That's a pen that inspires a book. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us here. I hope that people find your book and find you about, shifting their mindset.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate the call, and I enjoyed talking with you.
0: Wonderful. Thanks for joining me, and happy writing. Good luck with the new books. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.